0: Everyone and welcome to another episode of the La Rouge Rugby Podcast. My name is Dan Murphy, and with me always, fantastic Derek Brissett and wonderful Stu Hardy. Gentlemen, happy uh, International Women's Day! Uh, we are recording the day after, but I think that uh, as a podcast, especially with um, we've had some amazing uh, women on our show from uh, uh, Iroquois Roots Rugby, and they did a fantastic job that we want to take the time to acknowledge. All of the amazing women in our sports, and um, I shared on the Lulu's Rugby uh, Twitter account just a helpful infographic about what we can do as men to support women's rugby in the world. Um, it's it's pretty easy. There are so many things that we can do. Take part as a coach coaching women's rugby. Um, support them by watching their games. There's there's just so many options for us as men to to take our part and help grow their game. Um, so. Please take your time to uh, go to the Twitter account and see that and then uh, give it a quick little read. Now, gentlemen, we have a uh, tall task ahead of us because uh, we are like like less than two weeks away to the uh, new new MLR season. So we are going to start uh, by going over the West Coast Um because, holy moly, there is a lot to talk about. There are a ton of new signings. There's a new team. There's, there's lots to go through. But the first thing is that <laughs> we're pretty lucky that we, since we moved to Tuesday, a lot of things have been kind of being announced Monday, Tuesday, either from LR, MLR or the Aeros. So the big first thing that we got to talk about is that TSN has announced that they are re-upping their partnership with the Toronto Aeros and becoming their broadcasting partner once again. We got a small taste of the relationship last year, you know, unfortunately, you know, four or five games and that's, that was it. And then they did some of the arrows in the hour kind of stuff, which was fantastic. But um, is there anything that we want to see grow into this year from their, you know, work that they did last
1: year? Yeah. Like, I mean, I think one of the most disappointing things about the way the season in 2020 ended was that we were realistically like i think i'm trying to remember what the actual schedule was but i think like two weeks away from getting mlr games nationally broadcast like on tsn or whatever right like they were mm-hmm. been on they were going to be on the like the main tsn network and stuff so i think you know i can't wait to hopefully like that will come to fruition um I love honestly like I think being on TSN is brilliant. It's obviously it's one of the two biggest sports networks in Canada, which is great because that to me the most important thing about that is that just your average sports fan will pay or is already paying for TSN and by having MLR on TSN it, it increases just the chance that it's like they stumble like new fans will stumble across it because it's on a platform that's so easily accessible. I think like I don't know if the, like what I would want to see more out of necessarily Um, just like if the games end up on TV, like that's the thing that I'm most excited about because that just increases, like, you know, hopefully, I mean, maybe weird talking like this, but you know, in a post COVID world and stuff, if the games are on TSN, you know, that increases like, Hey, maybe, you know what I mean? Maybe like there was like an afternoon baseball game or afternoon hockey game or something, depending on the time of the year. And it's like TSN's playing that. And then it rolls into, you know, if you're at a bar or something, the next thing that comes on happens to be an arrows game. And now you have people in a bar watching rugby because it just happens to be on the TV, right? Um, And I think things things like that are what I get really excited about from TSN. I think, too, like TSN wanting to do things like arrows in an hour, like kind of willing to go out and, you know, ask for and get rugby content created for them. Um, I think ultimately, like, I don't, I don't really know if it would be feasible or necessarily even has anything to do with the arrows broadcasting deal. But I would just like to see like, you know, it'd be cool if like TSN's website started kind of adding a little bit more as I think we talked about this before, get like a rugby column or something like on like the top page, or make it a little bit more visible in like the other sports section or something. Um, I think that would be great. Um, they did a great job when the World Cup was going on. That was one of the things, right? Like that would be really cool. Exactly. Yeah. So it's like more things like that. Like just make it like I just want like I hope I guess my ultimate hope out of the deal with TSN and stuff beyond you know, games being broadcast um on you know either their app, their website, or just on like the TV network is you know, hopefully it gets to a point where it's like you start seeing like major league rugby stories and stuff like that popping up on their, uh like, you know, on their, like their newsfeed, things like that. um I think that would be kind of like the ultimate, but I guess, you know, part of that is like the arrows and major league rugby kind of proving to TSN now that you have a full season to do it, right. Like how viable this is, how many people are watching it and stuff. And I mean, ultimately, like, I hope I would encourage everyone to just be like, dude, like, do your best like tune into tsn make sure you like bump the ratings up i mean if for some reason you have something that's so important that you have to miss an arrows game for like i don't know leave the tv on in your house just turn it on the tsn so it bumps <laughs> up that rating a little bit um and then rethink your life because why are you missing arrows games <laughs> but that's besides the point get your priorities straight watch every arrows game live um but like ultimately, yeah. Like I just hope I just hope people tune in. I hope new fans especially tune in and are able to find the games on TSN. And you know, I like their cover, I liked the way it worked out last year. Thought it was great. Had like it's uh, you know, r- club like club rugby on TSN is not a thing that we get super often. And obviously now you have the like they had the uh the super rugby rights, but now there's all that weirdness of um not nobody in North America is able to watch this the super rugby this year, which is just another conversation entirely. But but like I mean I think like TSN showing interest in rugby. Obviously they're the World Cup broadcaster, Canada broadcaster too. So yeah, I mean hopefully you know it's hopefully it's successful for them and it kind of encourages TSN to you know add more rugby to it like maybe pick up a couple maybe try to get you know maybe fight to get super rugby a little bit harder or even be like wonder if like yeah get the uh the pro 14 or, or I guess pro 14s with dozen premierships with Sportsnet, and then i guess it would be uh like i don't know maybe get top 14 top 14, top 14 yeah 14 would be cool um but like you could yeah like go around do that pick up slar maybe that'd be fun too like i don't know how i don't know if you can do that um, but like, yeah, maybe it just, but like, I think ultimately it's just the best way to get TF, like to get more rugby coverage and more rugby in the media is to just consume what's there already and show that, you know, you'd be willing to get it. So, you know, hopefully, you know, everybody tunes into TSN, watches those arrows games. Like I said, if not, maybe just, uh, maybe you accidentally left your TV on when you left your house and you can bump some ratings a little bit. Um, cause those would always be fun too, but I I'm excited to just at the prospect of, you know, one of the, one of the biggest sports networks in Canada playing major league rugby. And it's like, it's something we would have got last year, but with the way the season ended, it, it, it didn't. So it's like, you know, seeing it become official again, it's like it has me just as excited as it did last year. Cause I, I think it really is a key thing in getting the sport to grow within
2: Canada. So for any Brits that are listening or watching like myself, Uh, TSN would be the equivalent of BT Sport. So this is a pretty big deal, especially for the Arrows and the MLR. Um, One thing that I would like them to do is follow a format similar to the World Cup Final, as opposed to what they did for the World Cup group games, which was just take the global feed and then do nothing else. It was when it came to the World Cup Final, when they had... People in the studio, there would be the host, there would be guests as well. I think maybe even include some form of analysis. So, in like the build, why did this try succeed? Um, How is the defense working? Why is this player being chosen as uh, man of the match? Those kind of things, because then that information that's then passed on to the viewers will allow more people to understand the intricacies of rugby so you can appeal to them in that sense and make them more knowledgeable about the game but without like dumb it uh talking down to them from like a point of intellectual yeah just
0: just learning about the technical stuff like it's easy to pick up like like rugby like you pass the ball backwards and you run and there's a scrub and a line out and like anyone can really understand how the, the the game goes after that but it's the little technical pieces it's like yeah well why why did they kick there or you yeah. know why like guys i'm always going to bring it back to curling but you oh, know God. watching watching the, the hey, you know what we this got week.
1: we got what six minutes into this episode you're getting better We got six minutes in.
0: um but you know my wife is a much uh much larger uh curling fan she's been the curling you know since she was a little little, little spot um I'm always kind of asking her, well, why did they do that? Why are they, why aren't they doing this? And I think that Stu, you're right. I mean, uh, Brian Spanton and uh, Gareth Reeves, uh were kind of the, 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 go-to analysts for, for rugby Canada on TSN for some of them, their ARC games. And they had them, you're right at the world cup final. So I would love to, uh, to have that as well. I'd also just like to see, and it's kind of simple. We know that the agreement is now start showing some ads like that, yeah. that would be really cool right now that I'm, uh, you know, a lot of like the, the briar right now is going on right now. Yeah. I would love to see a Toronto arrow ad right now, or, you know, people are tuning into a Leafs game, Toronto arrow ad or, you know, anything sports center. Like, like, let's, let's start to see that ramp up a little bit. And, you know, that, one, that would, maybe it doesn't happen this year, but if this is going to be a relationship that's going to grow, like throwing those ads in would be really cool to see.
1: Yeah, I think um like Austin did that with like a like I think like a, like one of the like the Monday Night Football games or something yeah. like that. Like whatever the uh I'm trying to I don't know. I don't want to I'm probably going to screw up my Texas geography. I'm trying to figure out if the Cowboys or the Texans would actually be closer to Austin, but um it was like one of their games or something I believe and they I will pull up the map. Oh, all right. But it was um, the
2: Gale Texans, obviously. And uh um, but yeah, as in they advertised in front of one of the largest. Yeah, they went after it. Yeah. <laughs> they television.
0: went after it. Yeah, they went after it. Okay. So. Uh, oh, it's kind of like a weird triangle. So I would.
1: I don't want to do the actual like math. <laughs> Just guess ballpark. Uh, probably Houston. Probably Houston. If you're from Austin, let us know what NFL team you cheer for. Um. <laughs> Something weird, probably.
0: Probably like the cow of uh, the uh the Packers or something just because Austin's so weird, yeah. <laughs> All right, well, the other bit of news that was announced uh today uh was that MLR has selected Genius Sports Group as the official sports betting partner. Um, now coming just going off that, that doesn't really understand what the kind of relationship is going to be. Um but MLR has granted uh, GSG uh, the rights to capture, manage, and distribute the league's official data with sportsbooks across North America and worldwide. Um, we know that there is interest in regular betting on our matches, and we have to take proactive measures to safeguard the integrity and transparency of our events, said uh, Commissioner Killebrew. We will have the utmost confidence in the GSG to manage our data and deliver it to the sportsbook partners, further engaging all fans old and new. Um, so this group um, has worked with the PGA English premier league, and I guess over hundreds of other leagues worldwide. Um So this is to me, the, the first step leading to this is, Oh my goodness. Does this mean that we're finally going to get a robust fantasy? Like <laughs> my heart is racing when I, when, when uh, I think uh, Derek threw this into our chat, I'm like, this is great. Um, But I want to get your guys' opinion. I'm going to go to you, Derek, uh, because you were kind of chatting about this with Andrew Ferguson on Twitter uh, about how you have some degenerate friends, according to him. Uh, But how is this going to change the fan experience of Major League Rugby?
1: Um, Well, first of all, Andrew Ferguson is 100% correct. My friends are degenerates. Um, And I think this is going to be great for Major League Rugby and for my degenerate friends. And hopefully my degenerate friends will become fans of major league rugby as a result of it i think like to me obviously like i try my best to get people to like watch rugby all the time or whatever like i'll bring it up and be you know what i mean like if if we're around friends and stuff i'll like try to like pull up game highlights and things like that try to convince people it probably annoys my friends to a certain degree but i'm just want i just want them to enjoy this great game um, And, you know, I've often had, like, some conversations, like, I mean, like, I went to school for sports management, I used to work for an OHL team, I used to work at the Hockey Hall of Fame. A lot of my friends, a lot of my coworkers, are just people that are just diehard sports fans. And not even this, like, you know, we're a huge fan of like hockey and only hockey, like people that are like, they watch literally everything, like if it's an athletic competition, like they will watch it. Um, and I think, you know, when hearing like I'm always trying to be like, like, what would it take to like get you to watch Major League Rugby or get you to, you know, become interested in it or become invested in it, or to like, you know, even to be like to pick a team and just be like fo- watch their 16 games, follow them throughout the year. Um, and the two responses that I always get are always just one, can I play fantasy? And two is can I bet on it? And I think Major League Rugby is doing well to, like, you know, opening the doors to be like, yeah, like, get into, like, the sports books and stuff. Because I think, like, last year, like, at the Vegas tour, like, um, Major League Rugby, a lot of their staff and a lot of, like, the fans and stuff stayed at the Westgate Hotel, which was, is one of the biggest, I believe it is the biggest sports book in Las Vegas. And, like, you couldn't bet on the Major League Rugby games that were happening down the street in Las Vegas in like the biggest sports book in the world. Um, and I think ultimately, I think like you said, Dennis, like, I think that by incur or like, by like kind of, you know, allowing a company like G- uh genius here to like, you know, have that data distribute that data. Like even, I think it just helps like intro- like attract new fans to the sport. And obviously like, if you're already a fan, it gives you a new way to kind of engage with it too. Right. But I think, like ultimately like fantasy and gambling and betting on sports is a massive way to get people like actually involved and interested in it and I mean I'm sure like you know I'm sure we've all been at some point in our lives like you know I mean in like at work and someone wants to do like a social thing and it's like you know what the world cup's on here's like a world cup box pool or something or like the nhl playoffs are happening yeah. so here's like one of those like you know OfficePools.com, and here's like the little like quick thing you can fill out you got to pick like a of three you get nine boxes you have to pick one player out of each box or whatever right and it's like i'm sure like at some point we've all been involved in one of those and it's just like you put in like whatever money but it it's like even if you're not completely interested in the sport because now your friend was like hey do you want to be in this pool or hey do you want to you do you want to do this or whatever now you're like paying attention to it like even if you like i'm not a soccer fan the only time i ever watch the world cup is when someone's like hey do you want to like join do the, a pool like, you, you want to yeah. do this pool and i'd be like can i win money and i'd be like all right sure i'll do this pool like why not right and it's like and i think that's kind of what you kind of open the door to and even like honestly like even if you're just like hey like you know sometimes you're just like sitting at home and it's like you know if you're like scrolling through like one of the betting websites or whatever and you maybe you stumble across rugby and be like ah sure why not bet on it and then just be like oh well now that i bet on it i might as well go watch it or whatever right um and people do do that so um it's like i think ultimately it's like it's a good way to attract new fans it's a good way to engage new fans and like you even like and i think it also could help new fans too like say if you were to say for like sports betting purposes like we're about to do like a Western conference preview on this show, but it's like, you could do something like, like, you know what I mean? Like if you're a new fan and you've never watched it, maybe you're not necessarily interested in gambling on it, but you could maybe like look at, you know, the Toronto arrows have that new thing with cool bet. Right. That's going to be like, they're going to be their sponsor on the back of the Jersey. So maybe like, yeah, if you're like, you know, interested in rugby, you can like go to cool bet and be like, all right, like here's the odds for every team to win the MLR shield. And just by looking at the odds, it'll give you kind of an idea. be like, okay, these four teams are like the favorites that are really good. It's like, okay, these teams are kind of at the bottom. They have really bad odds. They probably stink. And then there's a whole bunch of teams in the middle and it can kind of give you a little bit like as a new fan could help give you an idea of like where everybody's like stands going into the season. Say yeah. if you wanted to put like, you could, do all kinds of crazy prop bets and stuff too like with rugby but ultimately like i'm super excited because i think like and and of course dan you mentioned fantasy um like in order to like gambling to happen that means like i think one of those things that you know the league hasn't quite done yet but i think they want to do and i know they want to do it is get more stats and more information about the game actually out there um and, yeah, like you said, it's like that like that's how you get fantasy going. but it's like I think you kind of you like you can make a lot of money, you can be a good source of revenue and stuff to help, like, you know, um it, like with you know having those ties with like gambling and stuff. And I think uh, like in this case, especially too, it's like I think you just help open up doors to new fans and you know, make the fans that you already have also be able to like engage with your league the same way they would do like the NFL or the NHL or something by playing fantasy and, you know, betting on, betting on the game. So I think it's a great step forward for the league.
2: So I'm not really the biggest gambler in the room or any room to be exact. But um, one thing that I'm always interested in and you need to have gambling for it to happen is player stats, so it's always been yeah. the issue, and it was proven by ESPN Scrum last year when they announced that they would not be updating any of their records going forward, and people have been like trying to find out uh, player statistic from uh, clubs and stuff like or competitions, and they said their only response has been that they would provide it if it was in relations to gaming or betting yeah now that this now seems to be in place there's going to be a position going forward where you want to find out player stats which are more than just the simple how many tries have they scored how many tries have they assisted with how many games have they won it's a question of finding the smaller details that you're more interested in like How many tackles made in the game? What's that? What's a player's average tackle rate over a season?
1: Oh, for sure.
2: Which can then be used if there's a gambling function behind it. Just because me saying, oh, I want to find out the tackle rate of this player at the moment involves going back through all the games they've played in MLR, at least for so far, and then counting all the tackles they've made. And that's an absolute a little pain, bit of work for you. These. It's easier, <laughs> way. a little bit. Yeah.
1: You could probably ask somebody realistically. Um,
2: yes, but you would have to pay them. And where are going to get the money for that through this gambling revenue that will be built. Yeah. Well, I so think- that's how the, that's the positive that I'm looking for in all of this because that's the, like I said, I'm not really a gambler, but I am interested in statistics. And I know there's people out there who are like fans of rugby who don't gamble, but but would be interested in finding out this information. And even if they make a fantasy team, which is purely fantasy rather than, oh, I'm, you know, I'm hoping I can make a lot of money from this. And so, you know, it's good to have that information available. And if gambling is the way that we get it, then so be it.
1: Yeah. And I think like, You know, depending on how like elaborate and stuff it gets. And I mean, it might not happen right away. I mean, like maybe maybe this starts off with just being like pick a winner, pick a like pick who's gonna win a match or whatever. But like, I mean, you look at all like other major sports leagues and stuff, like you can bet on things like, you know, over under this guy score gets gets two and a half points tonight. Right. So it's like you could do like, yeah, like you can make a bet be like, yeah, over under Lucas Rumble has you know, one or 0.5 tries in this game, and you can just make a bet on whether or not Lucas Rumble scores a try, right? Like, and then you know, or you can do like all the other stats and stuff, like you in football, like, like you can bet on like you know, rushing yards and things. People were, yeah, people were betting on the Super Bowl or on the uh, Super Bowl yeah. halftime show, like you can bet on you, it on a whole bunch of things. Oh, man. Like, I mean, the Super Bowl is like the king of that, like, you can bet on the coin toss. You can be mm-hmm. like, yeah, heads or tails, right? Which probably would mean that Major League Rugby would start have to after you did that would have to show the coin toss and stuff. But like, get <laughs> um, bet how many streakers are going to go through the Austin's home first Austin, home game, yeah. dude. That that is a prop bet at the Super Bowl, though. That this is, it is oh no, it is oh, yeah. Bet on like the color of Gatorade and stuff. Like you can do a yeah. lot. Right. Yeah,
0: I um. But it's like like, I first got into American football because of fantasy football. Like I watched like the Super Bowl, and that's and then like uh, my wife's family were are super big football fans, and they invited me into their like their fantasy league that they do, and I just got hooked. But but it's because of that that fantasy that got
1: me into the sport. That's exactly what I'm talking about, though. Like as you know why you need this like why the league needs this is yeah because exactly like someone that. could be
0: like yeah i'll pick john ryberg from, yeah. uh, the, and then from la like, and then they watch johnny ryberg all season going
1: yeah come on and then you know they learn yeah. more and more and, it, and it's yeah. like in that first year that you do that too like even if your team sucks you start watching right like you start like <laughs> you know what i mean like you, you start watching it or whatever right and that's the whole that's the whole point like that's why you do it um that's exactly why you need to do this. Just so f- people like that that go to like their friends or their families and are just like, hey, you know what? Like, hey, like you know what? We need one more. Like, we we have eleven people in our fantasy league right now. We need one more to make the numbers even. Do you want to join our, our like our MLR fantasy? The season starts in three weeks. We're drafting next Tuesday. Like, do you want to do it or whatever? And then you get more, and that's how you grow some fans and stuff too, right? And then, um. Well, yeah. I mean, all ultimately, like, I feel like out of everything that like the league has announced so far, like over this off season or even in their history, this is the thing that has got me like the most excited. Like, I just because I think it's like it's an absolute one hundred percent a key to like all fan engagement. You know,
0: I don't know if <laughs> having this this game on. I don't know, you know, if you're on YouTube, you see the battle game from last season on, and I've got a picture in front of me, and I can see the game. At, backwards and like I feel like I'm gonna lose myself some point in this podcast episode. So i apologize in advance if the host suddenly just like loses himself. Just give you guys a warning now.
2: We'll be there <laughs> to bring you back. I was just All saying right, I, awesome. can tell, I can oh, t-
1: guys well you know what let's I can tell you what happens if you want and you know, like if it'll make you like less distracted by this game. I could tell I know you know
0: what's funny is I think I remember what happens in this game. Ooh this game's epic. But I'm gonna not want you don't tell me. This is the twenty twenty yeah, don't don't tell me because I'm pretty sure I, right? Yeah, yeah. And this is the one where Utah Utah wins, right? Like don't they, so you already they come know. back and win it? Anyways. All right. Epic. I'm actually planning right, anyway. on talking about this. this was, I later just,
1: in the episode, by the way.
0: We'll talk about it later. That's fine. Yeah. So going into our uh, our third season covering uh Major League Rugby, we're we're changing up how we do our season preview. Um last year we did an uh, American teams uh preview and then we just did a whole episode about the air teams That we're going to do a West Coast first, and then go East Coast. So, gentlemen, we're going to go alphabetically, and we're going to start with the Austin Gilgronies, um, one of the one I, in my opinion, one of the most interesting teams in this conference. Um, their M.L.R. record is a four wins, one draw in twenty four losses.
1: I feel like that's going to get a little bit. Which,
0: it might, I think it's going to get a little bit better as well. Uh, key additions: Patty Ryan. Tighthead, head, Christian Osberg, Locke, Paley Cowley, scrum half, Bryce Campbell, Cole Davis, Canadian wing, Jeff Hassler, Canadian uh, center wing, and Connor Mooneyham center wing, playing him at fullback. Like the guy's a utility player, he, he's everywhere. Um, and then in, in their roster, they have uh, Canadians, they have uh, Mo Abdul at Flanker, Cole Davis, Jeff Hassler, and Regan Orgorman. Hawk. So, gentlemen, my key questions going into 2021 for the Gilgronies are, can all of their big signings gel to start the season? Because they did not have a great start to the season. You know, it was a, it was a rocky start in terms of cohesion, um, and they kind of picked it up in the last couple of games, uh, finishing the season. But... They just added a whole bunch. Like, I just had a, a good-sized list. Uh, Stu, I want you to answer this question first. Do you think that their big signs are going to be able to gel with the rest of the team?
2: I think everyone's going to be in the same boat. They've been out of rugby for nearly a year now. Obviously, if some players have played you know, in World Tens or I know that some players in other teams have done loan spells with other leagues and so on and so forth, but consistent professional rugby for everyone. Everyone's just, like, itching to get back on the field to start playing. So I think there's more camaraderie. I know when we talked to Jeff Hassler, he was talking about like how much he was enjoying being in Austin and with his new teammates. So I think things will gel together much quicker. We have to remember that also, like, less than two weeks before the season was to start. There was a major overhaul from Austin Hurd to Austin Gilgronies. There was this new kit that everyone was talking about. Um And when we saw the kit for the first time, the names were peeling off the back of uh, the kit. It's so, a good
0: symbolism for what was going on on the field.
2: Oh, uh, no, um, absolutely. There's There were issues to be had on the field, but it's also worth remembering that when they were under the elite, they went an entire year without even drawing a game. It was loss after loss after loss. The fan numbers were declining with every single game until they went under this massive rebrand. And, you know, even just getting one draw in 2020, never mind the win they got against Houston, was a significant step forward. So, you know... Going into the new season off a win, yes, that win was over a year ago, but it was a win nonetheless. I think there's there's a new mindset in Austin. There's a new uh, goal to focus on. They know they're not there to just make up the numbers. They know they're there to compete. And they will obviously, every team obviously is going to be wanting to say, oh, we want to lift the shield at the end of the season. But they are going to be the ones to say, we want to make a significant difference. We want Austin to be the rugby city in Texas going forward. Right. They want to put themselves back on the map and say, we are the AGs and we are here to win games and to entertain the fans.
1: They uh, they looked like they gelled pretty good on a Saturday night. So, <laughs> um, And, uh, you know, at least that was, that's kind of like, I guess, the first time we got to see a little bit of their new look and – you could kind of see like the reaction on social media when they put out like their, you know, uh what did they call it, the Team A and Team G or the A team and the G team or something like that. Yeah. Um but it's like you could kind of see like the social media reaction to the rosters where it was kind of like I think that was like the moment where people kind of clicked in like ooh, like this this is not this is not the elite anymore. Like this is um a very talented group, a very stacked group if that too. And I know, like, the team that Nola kind of put out to play against them. Um, you know, I think Nola kind of went with a little bit of a clear, like, you know, first 15, second kind of 15 sort of strategy with that, those mm-hmm. back, that split squad double header against Austin and then later against the Houston Sabercats. Um, but you kind of look at the rosters and you look at, like, I think you look at those rosters and it's like Austin should smash that team. And, Austin did smash that team. Right. And it's like I think that's one of those things where you kind of go out. And I like I mean it's weird. It's weird. I think, like you say, like talking to Jeff Hassler, like you said, Stu, it's like there there's a bit of a buzz, I think, with, with that team. Um, right now, it's like they look like they're they're feeling pretty good. Um, you mentioned obviously like they finally got a win um, you know, at the end the, at the end of the season last year with the against the Houston Sabrecats. And then they also you know, Will McGee won the MLR virtual tournament, so they kept rolling with the victories. Um, <laughs> hey, they count, man. They count. It's the only championship MLR gave out last year. Will McGee is the most... I suppose. Will McGee is the most recent MLR champion right now, um, just because just it was a different format. Um, but I'm sure the Seattle Seawolves will not enjoy that argument at all. Um, but I think you kind of go that, and it's like, yeah, their preseason game, they look good, I guess... Um, they play again on Thursday night, so I'd be interested to see it. And I mean, like, yeah, like Dan. I know you kind of mentioned there's a lot of big new names, but it's like they kept a lot of yeah. Like, and I, I wanted to bring that up here.
0: because you know, uh, Kurt Morath is back, uh, Marcello Torrialba, uh, Will McGee. You mentioned him. Um, Zinz- there are some pieces back. Yeah, uh-huh. there are there are some pieces that have been around, especially those two in those two positions those are the, the yeah, playmakers they i mean like frank frank
1: halai's back jamie mcintosh is back um you know i think like Roderick waters who i i really and like yeah Roderick waters lo- looked really good last year and it's crazy to be like okay like they actually added some wingers especially in hassler and davis so like that'll be interesting for like how water season plays out too but even like frank halai's back and i think that's one of those funny things too it's like I feel like the, the Gilgroni's like just looking at like their roster and it's like they kind of between Halai McIntosh and I guess Isaac Ross, even though they haven't really said officially anything, but um, like they, have, they, they just low key have three all blacks on their team or whatever. I feel like people don't, don't necessarily mention that too often. Um, you know, guys like uh, Adam Ashley Cooper and Matt Gitto will get all like the press and the publicity and stuff, but you know, they uh, they got some really talented players, like, on their team, and they brought in, you know, a whole bunch of guys too, like, you know, Sebastian De Chavez, like you said, Osberg. Man, they had, like, their offseason was nuts too. Like, I don't know, like, obviously new coach, Sam Harris, and I guess Sam Harris plays, like, 7D chess because he ended up with, like, you know, going into the draft, everyone was like, you know, Cam Dobson um, was going to, you know, could be the number one pick. <laughs> and then, you know, there's some questions there and he didn't end up going number one. So Connor Mooneyham ends up going number one to Dallas. And now they're both on Austin. So like you end up, right. And so it's like, you got like the two best collegiate prospects in the country and they're both now on your team. Um, You know, just to kind of add to that depth. You got Christian Osberg came back. um Hasler, David, like it's like they made a lot of nice, really nice acquisitions. Bryce Campbell too, like, um, dude, like it's a good team, man. It's just like they're honestly like they're a scary good team, like, and I think, and I think even like all their other guys that were there last year, and it's like, man, like they had good players. Like I still think Mo Abdulmonem is probably one of the more underappreciated players in Major League Rugby. Like he. Um, I rem- I'm trying to remember the stat off the top of my head right now. I should have wrote this down, but it was like, he was second in the league in steals la breakdown steals last year behind cam Dolan. But Dolan played like something like over like two, I think it was like 200 more minutes or something than Mo. Right. Like yeah. like Mo played the least out of all the guys mm-hmm. in the top five and he was second. Right. Um, and you know what I mean? And it's like, I would love to see him get a little bit more time too. um, Right. And yeah, man, that's it's a good team, dude. Like it's a like I think there's they're scary. I think they're like the days of Owen 16 are a thing of the past in Austin. I look forward to what they do this year.
0: Yeah, and this was a question that we got online and I, I want to kind of talk about it quickly. And they released their roster for their Thursday game against uh oh, Houston. Yeah, and I want to give you guys the just the backs. At nine, and they kind of talk about this, that this is uh, the assistant coach said playing two quality sides in a three day stretch allows us from a coaching perspective to test out a funeral combination, but more so it guarantees all the boys a final chance to put their hands up. So it sounds like this is definitely kind of a, like uh, not some of the starters, but, but here's, here's the, the list nine Marcello Torrealba 10, Kurt Morath 11, Cole Davis 12 Mac Mason. Three uh Luis Setama, four f- uh, Frank Halal, and f- uh or four fourteen.
1: I was gonna say what well, that's a weird decision to put them at
0: 14, sorry, 14, uh Frank Halal, and 15 Connor Mooneyham. That is like they're like we are resting some guys. Like there's no Hassler. There's um you're you're not playing Will McGee. You're not playing Bryce Campbell. Like, do they have the best? Best depth in the backs in the Western Conference.
1: Ooh, I mean, their brothers in Los Angeles, um, which we'll talk about soon, have some pretty good depth. Um, I mean, yeah. So, I, I, like, I'm just actually pulling up this roster for the first time. Stupid jobs not letting me, you know, work getting in the way of multi important things in life, like looking at Austin's <laughs> roster for a preseason game. Um. Tori Alba, Morath, Davis, Mason, Satama. jeez. Oh, Dude, that is scary, man. That's actually like really good. Um, and then yeah, like you said, but I'm like, okay, like looking at it, like, okay, so their their scrum halves are Tori Alba, um, Pele Cowley, Sydney Shoop, that's pretty solid. Their um, like, their fly halves are like Kurt Morath, Will McGee, Mac Mason. Like, that's like I mean, and even like we saw like you got
0: Mac Mason playing playing inside center here, so like you know
1: yeah exactly the, the the Owen Farrell. They also had him like kicking in uh, against Nola too, and he was um, I think he missed one. What Was he been like mm-hmm. or, like six for seven or whatever that would have been five for six? I'm not a but like they have that like I mean the centers Campbell Hawaii like Satama Hudson the wings. Halai obviously can play wing too. Davis, Hassler, Mooneyham, who, like you said, is playing everywhere. Waters, yeah. I mean, I don't know. Like, we'll break. I, I think this the question. Like, does it come down to them or L.A.? I think. I think like L.A.'s got that superstar talent, but I think like top to bottom, this might be better. What do you guys think? Or well, or do you want to like go? out? Or do you guys want to put up something like San Diego?
0: I think San Diego's lost a lot of guys. I think they've lost a lot of pieces to to what was. If you had asked me last play? year, I would say like if I had compared last year's San oh, last Diego time. roster to this Austin of this year, I would say it'd be a heck of a lot closer. Last, but last
1: year's probably the best back line that's been.
0: Yeah, but last um, year was the best. Back line. I don't think it, there's much to compete against in the West.
1: So, like, what do we what do we think? Like, because I mean, obviously. I mean, I know we're gonna get into a little bit of predictions and stuff later, but it's like you kind of know this. They have like a really, they have like a really strong pack too. Like they have, like even like like their locks are like their locks are nuts with Chavez, O'Gorman, Osberg, Ross, good back row and mm-hmm. Akina, um, DeWall, Dom Bailey, um, Cam Dodson. Like I said too. Right, the front rows, good. Yeah, like Macintosh, you know, Hugh Roach. They just picked up. They got like the Crusaders. Strength- Mason Pedersen. Yeah, Mason Pedersen. They got the um Patty Ryan. They got this Crusaders' strength and conditioning coach now too. Yeah, like,
0: they're they're gonna be like it's. Uh, what do you think? What do you think as uh, this back line?
1: I'm
2: always cautious when it comes to a lot of talent, as well as on the field as well because I think one of the issues you can find is that if you keep picking like the same guys over and over again and then the playing style becomes familiar for other teams that they're able to identify what needs to be done and then even if you're in the case of like okay we're gonna sub out this guy and this guy on like the 60 minute mark is that um, you may fall into a pattern of repetition. And it may work for a few games, but if the eagle-eyed uh, coaches from other teams are preparing to face you in, say, like, round five or six, and they find out uh, where your team's strengths are, no matter how deep it is, it can always uh, come back to bite you. So I think I think they do have an incredibly uh, deep uh, backline, uh, But I'm going to have to agree in the sense of what is is it just talent or will it be experience as well? Because if you're talking about experience, then LA are definitely throwing their hat into the ring. And then it's a question of what's actually gonna work in a match day scenario. Obviously, doing these preseason games are definitely gonna benefit them. I think this is gonna be amazing for the coaches because being in a It's a six-day turnaround from their last game. Is that so? The last preseason.
1: No, they they like Austin. Yeah, they would have played on Saturday, and they're playing Thursday night now. So probably, yeah. Because I mean, if you're listening to this when it comes out as planned, anyways, unless I screw up editing this or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) But it's like, yeah, they should be playing. I guess tonight, if you're listening to this, like sometime during the day on Thursday.
2: Okay. So, but that also puts them in good stead for. I'll be honest. I haven't been able to check the AG's full schedule. Full schedule, but if they're playing Sunday uh, one week and then the next week they're playing Friday, to know which players are going to have the most optimal turnaround, this is an excellent means of doing so. Obviously, it's also going to benefit as well for me mm-hmm. in like the same position. But their, their
1: game on Saturday was also only a fifty-minute game too. Like.
2: It, it is, but in in the same sense of there will be players who have been in like a game scenario to then go into another game scenario in what I believe will be the shortest turnaround period in the in uh, the twenty twenty one season. So I believe it's going to benefit the coaches more than anyone else on the team.
0: Well, let's stay within the state of Texas. Um... The Houston Sabercats. Uh, they have a MLR record of 8 and 21, uh, not much better than their, uh, their friends in, uh, in Austin. Um, they've made some, some key additions. Um, Liam Murray, uh, Canadian. Uh, Tian Erasmus. Um, Nick Hiltonbrand, another Canadian. Um, Crosby Stewart, another Canadian. Vermanu Dicky Dicky from uh, Fiji. And another Canadian, Robbie Povey. So they, they've kind of uh, brought in a contingent of Canadians, especially from uh, the Pacific Pride program, which is, uh, which is fantastic. We love to see that relationship uh, building. Um, my question to you guys is, can they keep up with their rivals this season? Because uh, And again, this is just kind of f- from my perspective, but it always seems that there is this like big brother, little brother relationship between Houston and Austin in their, their entirety up until really last year. Um, is that relationship changing?
2: Well, I was going into the 2020 season thinking that the Cats could be the potential dark horse of the Western Conference and, you know, could have gone the way to claiming their third place spot at the highest possible chance in uh, 2020, considering at the end of 2019, they were having... Like new head coach, new changes, and were bringing in, they were finally bringing in the wins after, you know, having a mid range season at best. Then they started off the 2020 season well with a win. That was about it. It was was just losses (laughs) after that. Um, I I think because of like the ownership group with um, Austin, it's always going to be a case of, Uh, Houston have to be careful with their finances. They have to know where they're being spent on. And, you know, maybe that can lead to a focus too on the more emerging American talent, be uh, going to Houston and playing with more Americans and Canadians. Um, For example, Nick Hildebrand and Crosby Stewart are both from the Pacific Pride program. So this will be their first piece of professional rugby in a full season format. So... You know, in a sense of, you know, they may not have like the backline depth that Austin do, but that doesn't mean they can't bring something to the table. However, one area that the team or the operation uh, behind Houston is significantly lacking in, and this was commented on, I think on the MLR fan zone, is uh, community outreach. And I mean, if you go onto the Houston Accounts website at the moment, one of their latest articles was the kit reveal. You know, it was a fair few months ago at this point. Yes, they keep up to date on Instagram, I think, but I believe that's also the only social media account that they regularly use. And when you look at other teams that, well, even Austin, who are promoting everything they do with uh, a fresh press release, they're promoting everything with tweets, with Instagram posts, with Facebook posts. And it's allowing fans to stay up to date on what's going on. But Houston are just, it's been an issue since their inception. They're just dragging their heels. And, you know, maybe they need a new social media strategy. Maybe they need a new communications um, direction to go in. I think that's what's holding them back. Because if I... When I tell anyone that Houston is the only MLR team to have a rugby-specific stadium in the entire league, people are like, oh, that's cool. They must be really engaging with rugby and with the fans. No, they're not. They're... <laughs> it's, it seems ridiculous that in a year where we've had to cancel the season, be more interactive and online than ever before, Houston are still making the same mistakes. Like they could have had they could have been in a position where, you know, if everything was okay to open and you know, they could have easily sold out the Aviva Stadium. And I don't see that happening now because they're just not telling the public, "Oh, we're here, come and support us." It's it's confusing to say the least. And I think I think that's the operation that they need to focus on the most because, you know, at this point, we just want rugby. We just want games. We just want to be able to cheer our team on. And if you're in Houston, you could easily be unaware that there's an MLR team in your city just because there's so little interaction from them. But but that's just me. All right,
1: I'm going to turn this back to the actual on-pitch product that the Houston SaberCats have. Um, so there was a couple, obviously Dan kind of mentioned, like they did bring in a few like, you know, solid names. Um, a little bit of kind of like an unfortunate thing, though, that really did happen to their roster um, is that Kyle Breitenbach and one of their new signings, Jeremy Leonard's um, from Seattle, have both opted out. Of the twenty twenty one season for you know personal reasons, and ultimately that's just I mean I don't know if a team benefited from Dallas dropping out of the season as much as Houston, mainly because that allowed them to pick up Cody O'Neill, and you know in picking up Cody O'Neill it's like they now have two locks because they picked up Cody O'Neill or two like full time specialist locks, um, right? They have Cody O'Neill and Apase Tuavaku, um, who was a lock who came over from uh, Zebra in the Pro 14. Um, so they have two really good locks, but then they just have, you know, maybe Van Stewart behind them that can kind of play back row and lock. And like that, I think that's you kind of look at their roster and stuff and that is a big, big area of concern for me especially like in a year where depth is going to be so important um like we're kind of talking about you know not just guys getting hurt or guys getting suspended um but like in general like just like what who knows what's going to happen like covid wise and stuff too right like you know if you If you end up with oh yeah, I
0: think we need to acknowledge the fact that
1: there's going to be COVID cases. Yeah, I mean, hey, like uh, the Free Jacks and Old Glory canceled a preseason game, right? Like, and uh, you know that was that was part of part of the reasoning behind it, right? So, you know, we'll see we'll see how it goes. So it's like depth is going to be massive this year, and I think when we're talking about like Austin's back line and the depth in their back line, right? Part of that is like yeah, because you like you're going to need it. It's a long season. Right. And right now it's like, yeah, like, like I honestly like looking at Houston's pack, which in all honesty is like, if you took like the top eight, like the starting eight is actually pretty good. You can get like, you know, Lilo for Connolly, um, O'Neill to Avaca, Beauchamp, Magno, um, Boyson. Like it's a pretty decent pack if you did that. Maybe you have Solivera start at Loosehead instead. Um, you know what I mean? Like it's a pretty good pack but like for the top eight, but it's like, what do you do if O'Neal gets hurt? Like, or suspended or otherwise can't play for any reason, right? Like then you for don't, sure. you don't have locks. Like you don't, and it's, it's a big, it's a glaring hole um on their team. And it, it really is like, you know, honestly, like it's just a one unfortunate thing where it's like, I, I do think I want, like, I want to look at like Houston and like, I want them to succeed. They have the best kit in the league. Um, or at the very least, the best kit in the league that doesn't have a collar attached to it. Um, so third best in the league, really. Um, if they did put a collar on it, they would have the best kit in the league. They have like their own stadium and stuff. Like Stu said, like, I really want to watch them succeed. It's like, I just, man, like, I don't think they have the depth to do it this year at all. I mean, they did pick up like Bronson Tallis, Jin Ho Mun, um from Dallas too. And I think they really needed. I think they really need that. They needed to pick up those guys from Dallas. Um, it's just yeah, like I mean, like they're, they're starting 15. Like I said, I think it's good. Um, you know, obviously the backline ruse, Windsor. Windsor is probably like a perennial MVP candidate just because like the Houston Saber Cats go through Sam Windsor. Like if Sam Windsor plays well, the Sabercats play well. If he's not playing well, Sabercats lost. Like that's really what Sam Windsor is the heartbeat of that team. But even like Estelle, mm-hmm. Freyer, Howden, like you said, Dicky Dicky Lai looked pretty good in the preseason game. Um Penjalian, like like they got a decent like they got a pretty good like starting 15. It's just I just don't in my opinion, I don't think they have the depth to like, especially in a year like where only the top two teams in a division are gonna make the playoffs. Like I don't think they have the I, I just don't see them having the depth to do that at all and i think one of the big like especially in their pack like i just don't think they have that or whatever and it's going to be a long season and stuff so that's kind of where i stand on the the houston SaberCats. cats and i guess like i don't think i think like they definitely had moments in that exhibition game too against nola where they looked good um but like i just man like i don't know like it's just my um yeah, I I just don't think like depth is going to be so important this year. And I really just looking at their roster, like I just don't necessarily see it for sure. But I think I also kind of see a little bit in like what Austin kind of had. And it's like, if you're a Sabres cap fan, it's like, maybe this year sucks, but you also have like the young talent. Like you said, all those pride guys, Liam Murray, um, Hildenbrand, right? Like a lot of, you know what I mean? Like guys like Bronson Tallis and it's like, your time might be coming soon, but it's like you might have to kind of like suffer through deal with the ideas, tough times, deal with one deal with a tough year. And then maybe kind of like, maybe you make some key signings in the off season. Maybe guys like Brayton back and Leinerts are available next year too. That helps. Um, but it's like, yeah, you might have to, this one might be I honestly like this, this might be a tough year. <laughs> but.
0: All right. Let's move on to the new guys. Um, the new guys on the block play guilty. Major League Rugby record of not applicable because they haven't played yet. Um, you can make the argument that key additions could be the entire team. But, uh, we're you know, uh, Sean McNulty uh, coming Everybody over from it, the, the Free Jacks. Yeah. Luke White coming from the Raptors. He's been a beast. Corey Thomas, Canadian, apparently. Mm-hmm. Um, Adam Ash uh, fr- from the Glasgow. Nick Boyer, who's kind of been on... You know, uh, the Raptors, uh, San Diego, I believe, as well. Uh, Christian Rodriguez, a young, exciting uh, up-and-comer. Luke Cardi, which is, was another surprise, and then turns out he's American, so that's great. Um, Ad- Adam Ashley Cooper, which we talked about last episode. Uh, Bill Meeks, uh, Mika Cruze from the Raptors, DTH, who we've had on the show. Uh, Canadian uh, Johnny Ryberg and Glenn Bryce and uh, Matt Gittow, which was most recently announced. So,
1: did an you exciting say, did you say adam Ashley Cooper? i don't think you said adam did you I say Adam already oh yeah, did yeah, you yeah, oh yeah, I'm, I'm just say. i'm not paying attention to what you say well not listening at all you're watching We're the highlights uh, i you know yeah, so was gonna say i'm watching the so game behind
0: so as for canadians we mentioned dth um lindsay stevens is a, Can- a canadian qualified uh player uh Corey thomas and uh the nice little addition to their team uh mark carter who will be an analyst with the team but also rugby canada but, six months, six months uh, with, with both programs, which is fantastic for both parties. So my question, it's, this question is similar to the, um, to the Gronies, but um, LA has had a kind of a robust uh, training camp, almost a month. If you guys want to listen to more about that um, MLR kickoff, they interview uh, the head coach and he kind of talks about everything that they've gone through, uh, which is really, really interesting. Um, but can this L.A. team come together and kind of a and, and can this team come together in a barbarian sense? You know, you've got so many guys that are pros already, you know, or, or Raptors. You know, they've all got experience playing in a pro team. Can they just use that combined um, skill and just make something magic happen? Um, or will it take time like kind of other expansion teams that we've seen? You know, uh, it took pros quite a while to get to the team that they are and the role in that um, you know, it, it took, it took old glory, some time to figure things out. So where are you guys seeing them starting their, their season?
2: I just want to begin by saying that because of trades done during the MLR draft, uh, they have 12 international player spots on their team, as opposed to the 10 that other teams have. It also makes sense with Adam Acumac having one season contracts and both have been on the verge of retirement prior to these contracts. So those two would make sense to be the uh, one-year bonus players I have. I'm I'm glad they're here. I think they'll definitely raise the profile of the league. And, you know, in the sense that... um, I think LA will be the glitz and glamour Gill team, and Austin will be like the more relaxed of the uh, Gill branded teams. So I think having all like these star power names from the world of rugby, you know, guys that have played multiple World Cups uh, on the team, is going to attract a big audience, especially international audience. I know we've talked about it a lot, but I think getting more eyes on MLR is ultimately a good thing, and having these international players will do that. Um, There's also a few players that, whilst um, have played overseas, they are qualified to play for the USA, as they haven't been capped by another union, and these will count as um, domestic players. That includes uh, Sean McNulty, Luke White, uh, Luke Carty. And uh, say they but this is like uh, a big name team, it's like star power, as you expect. With any anything in LA, has to be you know up in and the clamor, know, to, like and glamour, you know, Hollywood, baby. Yeah. If they come out to the 20th Century Fox opening title music, <laughs> I think that will just <laughs> be perfect.
0: Uh, <laughs> be a, that's um, how they
1: should reveal their kits. Which we still haven't seen um, yet. A, Which, yeah, yeah.
2: We're, we're still waiting. We're still waiting on this, either black kit or pink kit or blue kit or. Yeah, you know,
1: I think what they were. I think what they were wearing at train that training scrimmage that there was pictures of. I feel like solely based on the fact that there was no numbers and it wasn't paladin, I don't think that's their kit.
2: Yeah, yeah. The fact that the hipster logo they had here was definitely not covering the three rival logos a lot of logos, of a rival. A lot of logos. <laughs> Oh yeah yeah well definitely a mix of logos mix like a cocktail and um wow but I think I never said the jokes were good. Um
1: or not mm-hmm.
2: but in the same sense of if you I think it will take at the very least one game for everything just to click into place um so you could look at toronto you can look at old glory they had strong performances when they started but they didn't take the win in their first game but then it would be like the following game everything would just start to fall into place Things start going their way and that's when they get the victory coming through obviously for the arrows it was a bit more difficult with the arc going on in 2019 um, and but Old Glory uh, lost their first game and then had a run of four games, all victories. The first of which was over the defending MLR champions. So for LA, it may be that their first game is you know a losing bonus point win, and by that I mean losing and getting the try bonus point. But it may take their second, maybe even their third game, for everything to just gel in. And then I think the uh, league should definitely be concerned at what LA have in store.
1: Yeah, I think that's probably fair. I think, you know, I think any team that's kind of assembled like this, and I mean, I know like they have a little bit of like Darren Coleman kind of recruited, you know, some of his guys. So it's like there's players that are familiar with at least what Coleman wants to do because they've played for him already. Um, but I think to me, like, I think any team that's kind of built like this, as you kind of said, a bunch of guys that have come in from all over all over the world, really kind of converging on L.A. You have l- absolute legends of the game like, you know, Get Out and Ashley Cooper and DTH, you know, coming together with, you know, some guys that are just starting their professional careers. Um, and that's like, you know, a whole mix of a bunch of guys that are somewhere in between as well, right? And ultimately, I think that it might take some time to gel together as with any new team should or would do. Um, But I think at the same time, too, there could be, like, an interesting thing that also kind of happens where it's like, I think LA is the most intriguing team in the league. Like, I think going into this season, I think you have all the stuff surrounding their team name and their branding and everything, which, I mean realistically they should probably have merch or something out like it's two weeks until the season starts like they need to you should be able to you should be able to buy guiltini stuff by now now it's it's beyond late um but like the, all the stuff that's surrounding like the, the controversy with their team name and everything all like the absolute big name players the elite superstar talent that they have but i also think it's kind of accompanied with the fact that nobody's seen them play Right. So it's like it kind of comes out and it's like you kind of look at it right now and it's like, you know, every other team in the league, you have film to look at and like be like, this is what the Toronto Arrows try to do this. The Seattle Seawolves try to do this. The Legion will do this. Right. You have all that on everybody else. And even like, you know, so far this year, it's like, yeah, like we got to see NOLA. We've seen Atlanta. We've seen some Austin. We've seen some Houston um, we're probably going to see a little old glory later this week too and it's like you see game film on everybody no one has seen la yet. right and it's like i wonder if that's a bit of an advantage for them too because no one knows like a little we, Barnstormer kind of deal. well yeah exactly and like little yeah exactly and like you know kind of game plan for that and stuff um the roster's deep we mentioned the depth always and it's just like I'm I'm very curious to see. Like they look like they have a team, like, especially in their backs. When you have guys like Adam Ashley Cooper, Gitto, um, Billy Meeks, um, DTH Ryberg, it's like I think they're like it looks like you have constructed a pretty fast and skillful team. So I'm assuming they're going to kind of play a little bit of let's go with like a little Hollywood kind of style, right? Like super fast, entertaining, um, flashy kind of rugby. Man, if they can throw
0: some of that Australian flair into, it, I'm
1: yeah like so it looks like it. it looks like that's kind of what they're going for right um and like i i was honestly like before i s- sat down i was like i was like i need to take a look at this guiltini's team right and i was like when i sat down to look at it i was like okay i know they traded for the the two extra foreign player slots They so you have 12 so i'm assuming if you trade for those two slots you're intending on using them right and it was like my biggest question looking at the roster was like okay like what happens if like the American and Canadian guys start getting hurt, or if they kind of go down, or like, you know, they're, or, you know, they can't play for whatever reason, right? And it was just kind of like, do you have like, does that mean like if an American player gets hurt somewhere and it's like the next guy up happens to be Australian or from somewhere else? Does that mean it's like, OK, well, guys like Adam Ashley Cooper have to start coming out of the lineup because you need to fit in. I think
0: that's yeah, uh, yeah it's what's going to happen is like you're going to have right. to it's going to be a check and balance kind of thing. Like, yeah, yeah like if, if
1: if if, you know, a
0: prop, an American prop gets hurt, you're going to have to pull it out of Adam Ashley Cooper. Well, and I and put an American center in and put the, the you know, the, the import at prop, you know, like it's going to be
1: something that they're going to deal with all, all season. But I think like I was looking at it and it's like, like, that was my initial, th- that was like my initial thought. And I was like, man, like, but also kind of looking at their roster and it's like, I feel like the American and Canadian players might be spread out across the positions, just like perfectly enough. Um, that they you could probably get away with doing it like this. I think it will be right. like, like I mean, it'll be interest. I think it'll be an interesting thing to see what the league, like what happens with the Guiltinis, especially. Um, because I think I think ultimately, like it'll be interesting. Like if this strategy works, like if that has like an impact or whatever, of just loading up on like insane foreign talent. Um, if that kind of has a little bit of an impact. I think that'll be interesting, um, but I, I well, I, you know, I, we've I, had we've had
0: MLR like we've had yeah. people comment about uh, salary cap that they're kind of working yeah. with. We've had you know uh, people all over social media yeah. talking. About. We even had Cole Keith and and who else? Uh, Sean White and Andrew Cole kind of chirping in on about about the roster and about about salary cap. So it's. Yeah, yeah that's like, that's salary, the one downside
1: of being a. S- yeah, I was gonna say salary info is not like a public thing, so it's like I feel like it's tough for me to directly comment on that and stuff, just because I'm like, like I don't know, but it's like, yeah, like Matt Guido was famously one of the highest paid players in the world, like up until, mm-hmm. right, like up until now, um, up until now, like <laughs> I, I guess up until now, like I don't, you know, and you know, like he he was making bank in Japan, right. And it's like, they do, they do have. And I think, I think I understand why f- fans might look at this roster and be like, how? Um, and it's like, you do kind of look at things like, that. yeah, they traded for foreign player slots, salary, like, who knows? Um, but like, you know, until the league does something to punish them, I'll just operate under the assumption that it's they're complying by it somehow, like, until... He's also
0: coming from a Saracen's fan, so take that with a grain of salt. Yeah, exactly.
1: And you know what, Sarah? Yeah, exactly. You know what they Saracens didn't do though? They didn't lose their championship, so they still got those stars above their logo too. So, well, they lost in the championship. They did. They did. Yeah, but they still get to keep the they three that the they, they already got. So, last, all right. time, well, last let's, time I check my Saracen's kit still has three stars on it. Uh, all right, that's fine. So, well, well, all right, whatever, cheater. Let's let's but, move but, on. Well, I guess, guys. So, okay, so uh, I'll, I'll just end that with the Guiltinis. I think. My biggest, like, yeah, exactly. And it's like, I think, I do think their roster is spread out enough that you can probably balance the foreign player thing. It's kind of weird seeing an MLR roster that legitimately has more foreign players than American and Canadian players on it. Um, but it's like, mm-hmm. I think they might be able to balance it out, but it's like, it, ultimately it's like, that might end up being a weird depth issue that they have to deal with. Right, sure. is just it'll be, like, it'll be very you, have two, you have two levels of depth you have just the depth of your roster and then the depth of the actual domestic talent that you have to shuffle around um so i mean we'll kind of see how they end up actually dealing with that i'm just curious to see what, what game one's gonna look like because like i said no one's seen them play so we'll see how this goes
0: yeah and you know what it might just be a one-year problem because a lot of guys seem to be only on one-year deals so we'll see all right well we're gonna stick in california it's nice going alphabetically, but you can also kind of stay a little close geography uh, geographically. Um, we're going to talk about San Diego quickly. Um, they have the best record in the West um, throughout their time in MLR. 22-1-6. Um, and six, uh, Key additions, uh, Chris Bauman, which was a new new signing. Very exciting. Uh, of course, Chris Robshaw. Uh, Michael Smith, Canadian. Travis Larson, Canadian. Uh, Carlo Denishin from uh, Colorado. Uh, Cameron Clark. Bjorn Bassoon uh, and Cecil Africa, the uh, uh Blitzbox legend. Um, their Canadians are Josh Steele, who has been part of the club since uh, 2020, uh, Travis Larson and, and Michael Smith. So gentlemen, uh, I got a couple of questions and I want to go through them quickly, but will this venue change cause a bit of chaos for this team? I mean, you got guys like Chris Robshaw signing up to be in sunny LA and they're moving to sunny Las Vegas. Like it's, it's and, and changing venues, changing, you know, um, training facilities, but even just like the climate you're going from, from ocean, ocean side to arid desert. Um, and we're going to have to talk about this with the arrows next week, but will this venue change cause a bit of chaos for the team on the pitch logistically, Give me your quick thoughts about
2: it. I think the Legion are already in Vegas at the moment doing preseason training. That doesn't necessarily mean they're at um, the venue to do it. I believe I even saw like Chris Robshaw um, helping out at one of the like junior kids teams um, with practice drills and things like that. So I think they've already made the move um, to Nevada and are now getting used to, they're acclimatizing, I believe is the best word right. to use. So, um, i say for the new players that you've uh, mentioned, probably not so much, seeing as uh, they've only, they have they would have only been in uh, San Diego maybe a few months before moving all the way to Vegas. See, it's going to impact the fans the most because now that their team is in a different state and I obviously can't uh, speak on uh, states laws in uh, the United States at the moment, but obviously California has um, been hit very hard with uh, COVID during this pandemic. And you know obviously restrictions will be in certain uh, locations and certain cities and certain districts and so on and so forth that maybe Maybe driving to Vegas to see games isn't on the table at the moment, but maybe towards the end of the season to have a few uh, of their hometown crowd come out to Vegas and support them, that could definitely be possible. Um, As for the team themselves, I think they've made peace with the decision. Um, They're just getting their heads down out there, already training in the arid climates. Uh, and, you know, it is going to be tough. I think it's going to be tougher on the other teams that go out to Vegas to visit them because obviously we had the Vegas weekend, uh, Vegas weekend last year, but that was in February and uh, February in Vegas compared with like May or June is going to be completely different. So, I think that's definitely going to be a guarantee of having water breaks at every 20 minutes um, in Vegas. But I think, you know, being there now, getting things ready, getting uh, prepared for it. And also, as we mentioned, the uh, new uh, gambling partnership with MLR. If you're going to have a team in Vegas, you've got to have betting in place.
1: Yeah, honestly, I... I don't think it matters at all. Like, I mean, as far as like from a competitive point of view, like it's, yeah, it is what it is. We all know why they're doing it. It's all COVID related and stuff. And I think it'll be the same for Toronto and stuff. It's like, we, the situation might be, might kind of suck, but at the end of the day, you got to go out and play uh, uh, rugby uh, games. So let me I mean, put it. The let me phrase difference. it this way, playing, guys. All you are is playing on a different patch of grass. Like you got to figure Yeah, but I think it's more it than that. that. Like,
0: uh, le- Let's just simply think about this. Like, like for the arrows, for example, they have to live in a hotel. Like, right. You don't have to, you don't get have the op the ability to, you know, after a, a hard day of practice, go home to your family or go home to your your apartment that you're comfortable in. You have to go back to a hotel. You have to, you know, do the everything sanctioned by the team because you're not able to just the, hang out in your the neighborhood. Aero situation you know, like,
1: is a little bit different, but yeah cause they can't
0: well, they're starting they're, starting, okay?
1: Yes. Okay.
2: yeah, that's correct,
0: yeah, so like it's 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 gonna be i I think that you uh, we're we're underselling it, I think that there it is gonna have, have a huge impact, and I think a lot of that is just because of the fact that they're not gonna be in their normal, and like pro athletes are are crazy superstitious animals to begin with, like to tell a guy you're not gonna have your normal routine to begin with is, is going to be crazy now. I mean, it might be different for other guys that are coming new into the league, but like if I'm Joe Pedersen and, and I'm, and they're telling me, okay, well we're moving you and you're not going to be familiar with the city at all. And Oh, also we're expecting you guys to be the best team again. Yeah. Like, I think that that's all going to have a huge
1: effect on okay the let mindset. Me ask, let me ask you a question. With based on what you just said, do you think San Diego is still going to be one of the top teams in Major League Rugby? I don't think they're going to be as good as they were last year, but I think that they'll be
0: in. Okay, do you yeah. okay
1: top two? Do you think they're gonna They're a playoff team. Do you think they're in playoff contention? We'll talk about that later. Well, I mean, we got to talk about this now. It's in the context of this. That's what I'm saying. Like, uh, because, maybe I think okay, I don't. Are you let me put it to you. this you way. think I, okay? Do you think San Diego summer. is going to be a worse team because they have to play in Vegas? yes okay i do why just because like i I guess because of the stuff you just said really but
0: literally everything i just said yeah like you i think we are seriously underselling the recovery the the ability to to feel comfortable in something that you've you've been working on for the last couple years you know they they have been able to keep a good chunk of their roster and to then say "Whoop! all right we're moving to a different state um not have your home fans around or so because you're in a different spot like it's i think it's going to be a lot i think it's going to be a lot for them to handle and especially since resources might not be there from a business side to you know have support in terms of you know flying family out or or having kind of that mental health support again i don't know what san diego has terms of the setup in terms of you know sports psychologists or stuff like that but even just having to someone to talk to that isn't a coach that's going to say, say suck it up i think it's going to have a big effect and we'll see one when when they hit the pitch um now my second question about them is is there they have a kind of an interesting coaching situation you know co-head coaches um i want to get your guys thoughts about this because it's it's new And it's, it's very interesting. How do you guys think this co-coach situation is going to go for the Legion? And this is hard again, because we, we don't know their coaching styles. There's a lot of different thing, variables, but I want to get just a taste of what you think might, how, how a situation like that would work.
1: So, I mean, obviously we haven't really talked about that. Like we're talking about the stadium and stuff. San Diego underwent a lot of big changes, in during this off season, they probably i mean there's a lot like we haven't even we haven't even talked about like the players that are gone yet, um and how to like kind of replace that like you said you alluded to it at the top of the show where you're like I would have called where la- I think you said Dan, like you would have called last year's San Diego team the best back line in the league, or like one of them or the deepest or whatever your wording actually was um but yeah, like part of that is like Rob holdley has gone, um so You know, assistant coaches, you know, Scott Murray, Zach Test were appointed as co-head coaches. I don't necessarily think like I'm I'm interested to kind of see how it does play out. But like Zach Test and Scott Murray are both excellent coaches. Like that's part of the reason why San Diego has been one of the top teams in the league. And, you know, I think I think Rob Hoadley is a little bit of a loss. They kind of lose him on the staff. I think that's kind of has more of a bit of an impact. But I think it's like between Test and Murray, like you just kind of take what you're good at, do what you're good at, let the other guy do what he's good at. And ultimately, I think you can kind of find like some cooperative cohesion there. And obviously, like, you know, if you've been with the team already, like I, like, you know, every team in the league has multiple coaches, right? It's just, you know, kind of one of those things where it's like you can give obviously like you know head coach is obviously an important distinguished title and stuff but i mean if san diego is going to spread the wealth a little bit then that's also fine i think i like yeah i i don't see why it can't work um i'm kind of with you though dan like i don't think san diego is going to be as good as they were last year but i don't necessarily think it's because they're playing in vegas i don't think it's because they have a pair of Two co-head coaches. I think it's just because they flat out their roster took a big depth hit. Um, with especially in the back row, right? Like, I mean, you kind of like we look at their backs last year, and it's like, you know, Devereal Ferris is gone, Luke Burton's gone, Nanu's gone, JP duplessis has gone, um, Mikey Tao's gone. Like, you know, if you even go through it, like Paul Mullen's gone, Josh furno has gone. Like, that's a big, a big chunk of their core of what they made that team su- – what made the San Diego Legion super scary and what made it look like, you know, they were undefeated. They looked like they would probably stay undefeated for quite some time, at least until they played Toronto. Um, but, you know, they would kind of keep going through that. And I think losing a lot of those guys – and, I mean, like, I know, like, they've – like, new guys have come in, um, obviously, like, you know, Cecil Africa um, – like it's like an uh Basson, um, but it's like Gonzalez and Glacius as well. And I think there is like there there is the talent that's there, but it's like you know, I think especially you look at like centers, like the center position, right? And it was like Dylan Oddsley and Ryan matthias used to be like your like your you know, your I guess your second choice center in a way, right? Because that was Nanu and JP Duplessis, And if you have Ryan matthias and Dylan Odsley as your second choice centers, that is like terrifying for a lot of mlr teams and now like mm. they are their first choice centers which isn't bad and now you have like Jay, um feel and clark behind them which isn't which isn't bad but it's like it's definitely not the same as like that depth is not the same um so it's like i don't i think they'll still be good i like i think they'll still be good i think they'll still be in a playoff race in that contention and stuff there but i i think they did take a little bit of a hit um it's really nice pickup from Chris Bauman though. Um, earlier this week is obviously Paul Mullins gone. Um, so they did, they signed, um, Hankus van Zweig, um, earlier in the year. And then he opted to not come to MLR at all. So they were down, um, you know, a tight head prop again. So good on, good on them to, you know, find someone make, and you know, a 25 capped Eagle at that too. So, you know, that's a big pickup that definitely helps them. Yeah. I by, I by no means think the San Diego Legion are a bad team. I just – I don't think, like, you know, with their offense and stuff, the way they play, I do like it. I think Zach Test is going to continue to, like, coach in that style where they are going to play a little creative, a little, um, you know, have that offense. Um, you know what I mean? Like, safe total Vosau is still your winger, which means you are scoring a lot of tries. Um, like, it's going to happen. You get him the ball, he will score tries for you. Yeah. Um, but and you know, like Peterson's still there, that's some va- valid leadership, Augsburger. Um, Denishin is a nice replacement from uh for Devereaux Ferris. So thank you again to the Dallas Jackals for that one. <laughs> um, but the Dallas Jackals, man, providing the Western Conference with depth pickups here. Um, but yeah, like I don't I don't know. Like, how do you guys feel about the way the rosters the roster for the, the legions kind of constructed going into this year just because I mean, like, for, for me, it's just... And I like, like, their backs are good. Like, their forward pack is good. Like, it's strong. Like, Nasa KK, um, so, like, Wuching, Veramula, um, you know, Travis Larson in there. Yeah. So, you got to shout out the Canadian... What it, a down it down, Smith got to shout out the more Canadians and stuff, too. Like, their back... Especially their back row. Their back row's fun, man. Rob Shaw, Smith, Veramula, Wuching, Larson, Tamalu. Um... Like, dude, like that back that back row's fun. Like that stack too. Be interesting to see what Rob Shaw does. But I'm just like, I just can't, I don't know. I just I I guess ultimately, like I kind of feel like they just took a little bit of a hit. I don't necessarily think it'll be they'll be bad, but I don't think we're gonna see I think the 2020 San Diego Legion, that terrifying force might be
0: yeah absent. What it what it comes down to for me is, you know, do I think that they're any worse than L.A. or or uh, the Gilgronies. Uh, yeah. No, I think that they're all pretty even. But what I think I think that maybe L.A. and Austin might even have a deeper lineup in terms of just like scoring power and and experience. Think, but I, what I but what I think keeps San Diego in that conversation yeah. of those top three teams is is their experience. You know, they're, st- they're starting. They've 50, already had a yeah, they're, they're, like, it's still a very, yeah. very strong team, but they also have all this MLR experience. Yeah. You know, it's just just, And fantastic. I mean, even
1: like, you you know, you look at someone like that, I guess the direct replacements and stuff, like Luke Burton leaves. So you bring in um, Gonzalez and Iglesias as well. Like that, that's a big pickup. You know, he's he's got 41 RG caps for the Pumas. You know, so like, that's a big pickup too. You still have Joe Peterson, who is like, you know, one of the best players in the league, right? You know, steady. You can't, you know what I mean? Steady, steady goes. excellent, excellent at controlling the game. His game management is phenomenal. Um, so he's still there. You can use him at 10 or you can use him at 15. You have um Africa, who is obviously one of the best sevens players ever. Um, so that'll be interesting. Um, seeing him this year too. And like you said, he brought in uh basson who's um i think he's got how many caps does he have 11 he's got 11 springbok caps right so like you know it's like there's still the, the talent is there the talent might be different i might honestly like i look at it and i'm kind of like i wonder if they got better i don't know if they got better i don't know if they got worse i think they might maybe they're even maybe they just replaced guys and stuff but it's like they're still just, They're still a scary team but it's like I mean, maybe I'm just sad that Madanu only got to play four games in Major League Rugby, but that would have been cool. But I still think they're going to be a, a solid team, though, without a doubt. All right, let's
0: let's keep her moving. Um, we're gonna we're gonna go to the Pacific Northwest, and we're gonna talk about Seattle. Uh, they're the, the really the first kind of team that really uh, you know shone uh, the light that was Rugby Canada and MLR. Um, some additions. Um, no real big game changer. Um, You know, J.P. Aguirre from from Rooney could be a really, really good acquisition, but I mean, they've got center depth 30 days. Um, Rhino Herbst, uh, Devro Ferris, we kind of mentioned, and then their two draft uh, um, draft picks, Aaron Matthews and the Canadian Nick Taylor or Canadian eligible Nick Taylor.
1: Um, they still have the okay. largest not Canadian eligible. He's he's Canadian. Like just flat out. Listen,
0: I when when he was first announced, there were there were, it was it was a flurry of discussion. So I'm gonna leave it at that.
1: Hey, he played um, the Calgary. Canucks, so I'll give with, him the full Canadian.
0: Okay. Okay. Um, with with Taylor being added, they they hold their title still with the most Canadians with uh, George Barton, uh, Justice Sears Duro, Jake L. Nicky, Penny, Brock Staller, and Taylor. Now, gentlemen, they had a rough season last year, Um, not up to their standards of being the two-time MLR Shield. Was last season's start a sign of things to come or were injuries to blame for their losses? Because, you know, in that uh, Tasman Sharks game, they were beaten up. (laughs) Seema, Neil, you know, they had had a lot of uh, injury problems to start the season. So do we blame it on that or... Are we looking towards a rougher rougher waters with the Seawolves this year?
2: I think I think the it's a little of column A and a little of column B. Obviously, no one wants to have uh, be taken off due to injury and unable to play in the games that you know make up the season, especially if it's a preseason game. That you know, just for bragging rights, more than anything else, against a admittedly weakened team from the Miter Ten Cup, because they didn't have all their starting fifteen.
1: Still, the Miter Ten Cup, two,
2: so yeah, but still. And the point being that what makes a good team, and we've talked about it already, is when it comes to things like Austin and LA, and it's not just having the best starting 15, it's also having the best bench and then the best reserves as well. And I believe that Seattle were woefully exposed in the opening, well, the only five games from 2020 of the MLR season. They only had the one victory against um, the Free Jacks, And then the even the final game, which they should really any other year would have put away on the 80 minute mark. Utah were able to get the victory in the end. And you know, I think when it comes to Seattle, especially in 2019, because I think that's a fairer year to gauge them on, is that they were. Iffy at the start, obviously not as bad as 2020, but they were consistently good when they needed to be. So if you look towards like the back end of the season, they were doing much better than at the start. And that obviously paid dividends come the uh, playoffs and the final. So it I... I would say you would be a fool to ever count Seattle out. But I I see them being better than 2020, but not as good as 2019.
1: Uh, so somewhere between finishing 10th and winning the championship.
2: Well this well it's the thing narrowed
1: down prediction there.
2: Well, this is the thing, is that Seattle in both seasons that they've won the Shield. They didn't finish the season, They've as never finished the best team, team. no, nope. and that's, that's what I like that's the cooks on them that's in like that like an underdog no <laughs> you it doesn't I like, like championship team Saracens, see They're always <laughs> back in the underdogs,
1: yeah, exactly yeah. Uh, Saracen, Crusaders, all blacks he's a, he's a yeah. all blacks, mostly yeah, not the- cheer for the little guy, yeah exactly, exactly. You know, yeah, make fun of from all the the Toronto Arrows fans cuz they are we all know how not at the top of the table they are. Um that was only one season. Come on. Yeah. Only four games. Hey, they made the playoffs in their first year. What are you talking about? Yeah, and then lost. Yeah, doesn't count. Longest longest win, longest uh winning streak in MLR. So, there's something there. It's good team. <laughs> um but okay, so I think yeah, so I think Seattle will be to me. I think they're going to be a lot closer to the championship team than the tenth place team um, this year. You guys, you kind of mentioned Dan. It's like not a whole lot of new additions to really go off of, but also not a whole lot of like departures on their roster either. Um, Jeff Hassler, obviously a big one. Um, Jeremy Leonard's, who we mentioned, went to Houston, but uh, you know, unfortunately for Houston, not going to play this season anyways. Um, so that's unfortunate. Um and then Vili Tolatau, um fan favorite, um, the original MLR finals MVP and stuff. Um, so he, he's going to um like he's off to um uh Rejects. New England. New England. That's what I'm trying. I'm trying to say the words New England. Tough tough English is hard. Um, but like so they're off to there. But I think like their team set up well, I think to kind of like deal. Or like, I guess, deal with those departures with some of the guys that they did bring in, right? So, like, I mean, for Hassler, not really a whole lot of new wingers, but like you can shift David Buseby over to the wing. Um, as Dan, you already mentioned, they have like just a wealth of centers. Um, their centers aren't like their centers without Buseby are nuts. Um, like like you said, egg Ag- um Aguera. Barton, uh, Joey Iosefa, Kieran Joyce, Ross Neal, and Sonny Ula's back too. So it's like, that's, you know, that's unreal. So you can shift some of those guys around to make Hassler's departure work. Um, So Busby likely goes to the wing with Stoller and the twins too. So, um, and then you also have, I think like Leonard's is gone. So you bring in Rhino Herbst. Um that's you know, obviously, you know, he played for the, the Lions in Super Rugby. Um, so that's a big time replacement for him. Um, and you know, you also bring in, you know, Namibian capped over Nort North Jay um in order to replace, like assuming Tolitau was playing Hooker during that game, they bring him in to replace. Um, I know he did kind of split some time between a couple of different positions there. Um, I think, though, the big one too, like from last year, I think what you kind of saw with Seattle at the start of the season was the key like Ben Seema got hurt in that game against the Tasman Mako. And I think what you kind of saw was it was like maybe that was a bit of an issue for them with the, like fly half depth as like what happens after S- when Seema goes down, because when Seema was in, um, he was literally perfect. Didn't miss a didn't miss a kick all year. Um, 13 from 13 over that short season that he didn't play every game in. Um, but I think when you had like Scott Dean, I think we really kind of saw with the game against the arrows where it was like, you know, Taylor or uh, Taylor Adams, Sam Malcolm were able to just pick apart the Seawolves with kicks and stuff. And Dean wasn't really able to kind of match that. But I think Sima is a guy that I think could match that and could help. And I think you also kind of bring in, too, you use one of your, smartly, use one of your draft picks to pick a fly half, too, in Aaron Matthews, um, who is also a little bit of a utility thing. But I think you kind of add to that depth. Hopefully, um, you know, he's on the road to recovery after his injury at the World 10 Series. But if he comes in, right, it's like that could be a little bit of a bonus. But I think if you, yeah, honestly, for sure. honestly, I think if you have a healthy Ben Cima or whatever, this team already is different and i mean you like he the sema looked good from uh in that world 10 series too and i mean if you have a guy like sema who has that accuracy and as the world 10 series shows he's got he's got range on him too so i think you know i think you bring that in (laughs) was that what 12 pointers or 10 pointers they were you got five points five points five points for the the 50 yard conversion kick or the 50 meter conversion kick Something like that. I gotta refresh my World Ten Something Series like memories, but I think you even still have that. Like there were some <laughs> positives from the team last year too. They still had one of the best scrums in the league, and almost all their guys from the scr- that make that the best scrum in the league are back. I think they were they were like fourth ranked scrum in the league, and all right. the guys are coming back right. Um, so that's still there. Um, you know, like Sears is back. Um, you know, just like you said, Sears is back. Il Nicky's back. Um. Right, Metchers back. Um, there's so like that's already good. You, like I said, their locks are nuts. You got you know Brad Tucker, herps, Taylor Crumrays in there too. Outside backs with like Nakai Penny, who I mean like hope like we gotta hopefully like he's got to use this season to be like, this is give me a Canada jersey. Like, this has to be, like, Nakai Penny's, like, you're writing – this is your, like, your cover letter and your resume to Rugby Canada this season to be, like, give me a jersey. Um, so, right. like, I, I think, like, honestly, like, front to back, they're still good. They're healthy. Deverell Ferris, nice little addition. Reichert Hadding, he led the league in try scoring last year, right? So, it was, like, it wasn't – it was – they had a weird season, The right, in 2020, I think if we saw it play out the whole time, I I'm confident. I feel like they could have turned that around. Um, Unfortunately, it's something we, it's remains a question mark as so many other things. Yeah. We'll never know. We'll never know. Um, But I think, I think they're going to come back pretty strong this year. Um, uh, So with Stu's comparison of 10th versus shield, I'm going, they're going to be a little bit closer to the shield. The, uh, the biggest question is though, is only two teams make the playoffs and so we'll see how the sh- she goes
0: for sure. I uh, you've talked me off the ledge, uh, Derek. So good job. I uh, I had them much much lower, but you you talked me back into it. Well, like, like all right, guys, let's 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 do the last team uh, and, and finish finish this off. Uh, the Utah Warriors. They're an interesting interesting team. Uh, they had a you know they were a playoff team in the first season, and then it's kind of progressively gotten worse. Um, their record is seven wins. Three ties, which is crazy, and nineteen <laughs> losses. Is anybody else even remotely close to three ties?
1: Like, does anybody uh, else have not,
0: two? I know you not in the not in the not in the Western Conference. Maybe uh-huh. Glendale. Glendale might have, mm. might have two. I don't know. Um, but they've they brought in some some interesting uh, uh, positional players. All, all of Khalifi, uh, after taking a year off, is back in MLR. Paul Mullen, uh, I guess, got off that island uh, off of Ireland, and he is playing in MLR, which is fantastic. Uh, Fraser Hurst, Canadian, uh, has joined the team. Uh, Cliven Lubster from uh, Namibia, I believe. Yep,
1: Namibia, Namibia.
0: Okay. Um, uh, Rodney Iona, and of the big one is uh, Mikey Teow, is is joining the team from from uh, San Diego. So uh, that it's a big, big, big grab for Utah. My key question, and this is actually something that Stu brought up, and so I appreciate this, Stu. Appreciate you. Thank you. After another last minute loss, which has been a huge problem for them, um, their last couple seasons. uh, I know, granted, this one was a preseason loss, you know, Mm. they lost to, to Rugby ATL. Is this problem? a fitness issue for the team like like in terms of depth like do they just not have the depth that other mlr teams are are putting out there or is this just something that's just a mental brain thing that like the the Toronto Maple Leafs seem to have this problem they get up 4-1 and then whoop here comes the Ottawa Senators the worst team in the league you know like is this something that they can fix by just training and practicing or is this a personnel problem?
1: I don't think it I don't really think it's an issue um as much as you guys are making it out to seem. Um I think like I mean if you really look at that the the game against Atlanta like their biggest issue I don't think had anything to do with like fitness or like mental or anything. It was they had a lot of opportunities within like, especially in the first half when they had the win. And it was like they had a lot of opportunities when they were like, you know, close to the try line or with a line out at five meters and they just didn't capitalize on on a few of them. And if they did, then they probably win that game. Um, But I think like you look at that game and like the one big positive is like they had all their points came off of scrum penalties. Right. They had the penalty try was a, uh, off of a scrum and then both of uh, Janice Scully's uh, penalties were as a result of a scrum penalty and some prime position too, um, which obviously, you know, Paul Mullen was outstanding in that game. So I think you're looking at that as that's a big positive for your team. Um which do probably have to figure out other ways to also score. And I think like what you're kind of saying, it's like a fitness issue or like a mental thing. And it's like, Dan, like the game you were literally just playing behind you. I think it changed now. I'm not sure from the start of the podcast.
0: Yeah, no. Now I'm watching uh, Seattle versus NOLA
1: from 2019. All right. Well, there you go. All right. So I know other the- game ended. But the game that you did, like their last game to end last season was epic where there's like they were losing at the eightieth minute and then grinded down the famous seawall defense for eight I know but I
0: just think of the the, the the epic loss or was it the loss or tie that they had against the What's... then Glendale Raptors hmm. where like they were up by like double digit points and they... Glendale came back and pulled and they've had they had a couple of games like that in the 2019 they've season. also
1: I mean they've also been on they've also been on the receiving end of the two most of the two biggest score totals put up by any team Um, but it's like I just I don't think I don't think it's so much it's an issue and in all honesty like kind of like looking at their squad I think Brandon Sparks did well at the draft I think you kind of like it's one of those teams I think they're kind of like looking at being like, like you can tell like there's a clear like we're building for like the future and stuff on this right and I think having guys like you know Sean Pittman Sean Davies to kind of like aim the ship and steer that ship is going to be very good for them um i think you know you look at the, their draft they picked up elijah hayes Danny g and scully who was already like i said he was the fly half in the preseason game and he looked good Derek ellingson john powers it's like it, good draft um you know int- some interesting pickups too like um logan tago former um well was signed to the Montreal Alouettes anyways I think like you know 2020 wiped out the CFL season too so that's kind of an interesting pick I know crossover athletes have been a big theme this year um so that's interesting obviously Mikey Tao um you know Paul Mullins a huge one um you got Aston Fortunin from the uh you know the the Southern Kings I think like like it's a decent team like across the board and obviously you still have a lot like they re-signed a lot of guys too right like a lot of their core is back as like Franco um Franco Vandenberg's back Jensen's back Lance Williams is back and healthy and quite frankly looked very good in that preseason game Bailey Wilson's back too um Uhila Van Vuren Basca Hagen Schultz um like they're like their their tens are good like their tens you have Schultz um Schulte uh, who's German capped, Laubser, who's Namibian capped and then one of their draft picks Gianna Scully, who score, had 6 points looked fairly uh and a couple really nice clearance kicks I mean the wind probably helped a little bit on uh, some of the distance on those clearance kicks but they were well placed um like so I think that's good to like those those are all good um things that they've they've been doing I think they're building it I think the ultimate question is is like for them is it's like I think I think they're better Than Houston. And it's just to me, it's a question of like, do you think they can compete with for a playoff spot? And I'm not sure they're quite there yet, especially given the fact that the playoffs are just the top two teams in the in the division this year, right? So it's like, are you one of are you better than two of Austin, LA, Seattle, and San Diego? Right. Like, and I I don't think they're quite at that point yet, but I think they're building towards something. Um one thing though too I really I really find fascinating with their roster is the fact that they they only have two scrum halves um in Michael Baska and Frazier Hurst. And I think for Frazier Hurst especially, like the what that's an unreal opportunity that I don't think he would necessarily get on other MLR teams. Um because man, like coming out of like UBC, like he's he's playing every game. Like he because he has to play every game like unless you like mm-hmm. decide to start converting guys so i think from like that canadian kind of point of view like i mean i look back at um like the sabre cats and stuff and it's like you got guys like uh like Rue since uh there right and it's you know how much like this crosby stewart's going to have to battle for that playing time um whereas fraser hurst is like you you got it man like here's here's the keys like go run with it um, so like, it, it'll be, um, I think that'll be great for him. I can't wait to kind of see what he does, um, uh, this season. And like, you know, I, uh, I, I did, I did like what, uh, what I kind of saw from him in, um, the preseason game. So, um, you know, best of luck to him, man. I hope like, cause he, he's in a great situation, just kind of develop himself because, you know, he, he's on a team where it's like, he's, he has to be the guy, which, you know, could could be a really good thing for him. Especially also too, like Sean Davies is there as your coach too. So that's gonna be a big help for a scrum half development as well.
2: I'm going to actually go the other way. And I'm gonna say that there's been a I don't know if it's like been a cloud or there's been like a voodoo curse or a hex over Utah, but Going back through all the games they've played, the only time they've scored consecutive victories was in the 2019 preseason against Life West, and then the following game against the New England Free Jacks. Yeah, even uh, Every... even
1: in the year before when they made the playoffs, they didn't they didn't string together two wins.
2: Nope. Oh wow. Well. They had... Uh, even in 2018, where they had like, a few exhibition games, they uh, beat Austin, they beat Houston twice in 2018, but they, they did get losing bonus points, and I think that's what was able to get them into the playoffs. Mm. But then they lost to Glendale in the uh, semifinals. In 2019, uh, the only team they beat was... Austin, the only team that lost every game, they drew against Glendale. They then lost the subsequent fixture by that huge margin we talked about. And interestingly, they drew against Seattle in uh, their penultimate game of the 2019 season, which, you know, for a lot... And that was in Seattle. eh? And that was in Seattle as well. uh... Not many teams can say they have a win or at least a draw against Seattle away so you know credit where it's due but then i'm going through it there's a number of games where uh so nola gold they lost 19 to 21 uh houston they lost 27 to 29 even toronto in um their fixture in may they lost within a losing bonus within seven points these are games that you know, could have been easily Utah's to win, but you know, something just wasn't there in the end to give them the points advantage. Mm -hmm. And the team that they beat in twenty, the only team they did beat in 2019 was the team they tied with in um, 2020, which was Austin. But then they got a victory against New England. And then, of course, that big victory against Seattle to end the season with. But, and and this has been an issue, I think, when it comes to things like momentum, is that Utah have not been in the position where they've won a game and then won the next game, and they've never been able to build that momentum, which has then pushed them from being like the, the bottom, one of the bottom teams for 2019. Obviously, um it was different in 2020, but we can say that because of the pandemic, we can't really tell what would have happened. It, I think, Austin, if Austin, not Austin, sorry, if Utah can get back-to-back wins, then I'll be more open to seeing like how far they can go. But it just seems to be at the moment that they, although they have been successful, as you said, they did make the 2018 playoffs. They are up against tougher opposition in their own conference. Obviously, we're going to talk about uh, the Eastern Conference next week. And it's going to be a case where maybe it's Utah become one of the bottom teams. Obviously, we're saying this in the preseason when I'm only going on the results that they've already done. Sure. I'm sure, sure I'm sure Mikey Taylor will score like, like three a tries. tries. Yeah, like, and... Will be the reason and will be the herald of uh, Utah, allowing them to get, you know, seven games on the bounce.
0: All right, guys. Well, I think you guys have hit some really good points about Utah. I think it's hard to look back at, you know, past seasons, but that's all we really can do. I mean, so much change for all these teams, but, you know, we'll see.
1: We'll see what happens. I will say, I did hear on the broadcast of the preseason game which also by the way that was super cool well done Let, full out legit preseason game broadcast that was awesome um but i heard that they're like their pre-game like hype dude um did the, like the warriors come out to play chant before the game and I don't know if I've ever did I've just never heard that before in their thing. But honestly, the fact that they do that, that gives them like that's just bonus points for me. So I will forever like the you <laughs> worry, as long as they keep a movie from 1979.
2: I'm still waiting for Houston to do a parody of Thundercats when uh, thunder, they take thunder,
1: to the field. Ooh, thunder, that that's what we should do. One episode, man. Let's just assign everybody like an 80s, <laughs> 80s cultural reference. All right. And I'm going to, st- yeah.
0: Remember that Remember that. halfway through the season, we'll do it. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, we're going to do everything that every podcast does. And we're going to kind of give out some preseasons awards for the Western Conference. And we'll do this with the East as well. Kind of, we're going to got to talk about some guys we're excited to see. Um, and we're going to start with our best newcomer. And I don't say best rookie, because we're going to go with someone who's never played in MLR. So, uh, you know, eligibility does not stop at being, you know, a young, a young guy, um,
1: Back it so up. I'm get your old rookie of the year, Yay. yeah. Uh,
0: I'm actually gonna start with, um, uh, with my uh, best newcomer who I think is gonna have a big impact, uh, Bill Meeks from the Guilty mm-hmm. Um, I'm a London Irish fan, um, they're fly half excluded, um, and I got to watch a lot of him, you know, in the past couple months during the pandemic when he made the switch over, Then he's such. He's such a dynamic player. And I think the difference between um, uh, Adam Ashley Cooper and uh, Gitao and Meeks is I think Meeks still has a lot in the tank where he probably could have found a contract in some of the top tier teams in Europe. Um, maybe not, not just had the best fit for him on any of the teams and maybe the offer with the guild teams was just too good. But I think that he is going to have a good season
2: and he's my newcomer of the year. I'm going to say that I'm going to stick with LA because they're, they're the newcomer team. So they have to have all the newcomers. Everybody on LA. Um, yeah. Uh, so Darren Colbin. Um No, I. <laughs>
1: hey, I mean, count. Um, hey, that's, I, I think that's a fair thing to say. Why can't, like, maybe man, like,
2: why can't he be? Co- coaches does yeah. he's not gonna step onto the pitch you don't know that during the game during the game um i'm i'm gonna go with the big name signing um that is uh matt get i think that him as i only chose him as above adam ashley cooper because i think we all had like an inkling that uh, Gitter was going to sign with LA, and we were just like, oh, come on now, we you know, season's about to start. You need to let us know as soon as possible. And now that it's obviously happened, is great. Um, and you know, it's he in his uh press release was mentioning that he was kind of like disheartened with how the top league finished in Japan, and you know, he obviously wanted to have a full. Season to be able to call time on his career, so I think he has one. This is his, this is his one last opportunity to prove that you know he can still he can still uh,
0: play it with, it with the kids. Point.
2: Yeah, kick it with uh, fellow youngsters on the team, <laughs> um, and then he could... And I think whether LA lift the shield or make the playoffs, or even if they finish third is that he can say, I did what I came to do, I played my best, and now I'm willing to like walk off into the sunset with uh awesome eighties rock montage music playing behind me. Um <laughs> and and I so I think that because he knows that, that it's his last song and dance at the uh game, he wants to put in like the best effort he can possible. So that's why he's my pick.
1: Um, me and Dan are actually very similarly on this, on a very similar page there. Um, I was definitely thinking Billy Meeks would, uh, would be up there, but you know, um, I, just because why, why talk about the same guy? Yeah, exactly. Um, all right. So what I would say, what I'm curious in, what I'm really curious in, and I'm not so much certain that he'd be like, if you were to give out like an, an actual award, but my picks, I'm gonna go with two. I'm gonna pick two guys here, and I talked about the oh, talk about Austin. It's gonna be two. I'm going with Cam Dodson and Connor Mooneyham, um, because I guys like this is you know everyone was kind of thought, like around the draft and stuff too is like a lot of people that I've I've talked to have been like Mooneyham is mlr ready, um, like right out the gate he can make an impact on Austin, and I'm just like i just want to like let's see it like i can't like i want to see what the it's like i think we've talked about this before it's like this is the draft class that every other draft class gets to measure up to or whatever i want to kind okay. of i'm I'm very curious i want to see what happens what happens with it um so i mean obviously you know from life university bit of a utility back usually center wing they played them at full back against nola so um and you know he looked solid in in his uh in his appearance this weekend so i'm excited i'm excited to see see what he does i'm also excited to see what dodson does um number eight two should be a good pack in um like i think and there's a whole bunch of guys like i'm, I'm taking a newcomer you guys are naming 38 year old Mac Gidow and 29 year old billy Meeks here so i'm gonna go with uh the the actual actual young lads. I'm going to treat this as a bit of a rookie of the year award. And uh let's we'll see what. It's uh, you know,
0: funny. is Derek wanted clarification on it and still went with the young guys. It, so you know? I appreciate the gusto. Yeah, it's like- Okay, guys. Next, next award is going to be the best Canadian. We are a Canadian centric podcast after all. So I want you to put your, your thinking caps on and go with who you think is going to be the best Canadian from the Western conference. Um, I'm going to go again first. Cause you know, I wrote the script, so ha-ha-ha. Um, Nakai Penny. God He taken. was on... <laughs> <laughs> he was on an absolute rip to end the season. Uh, and he... De- uh, Derek already kind of mentioned it earlier when we are talking about Seattle. He's got to put his hand up for, for Canada selection. You know? how? What, what else does the guy got to do? And what I say, what he's got to do is he's got to be the best Canadian. I think he's going to do it.
1: You know what? I'm not even changing. You know, I'll change my answer for the other one. I'm not even changing it for this one. It's like penny. I think like I mentioned it and at the beginning, I think, you know, he's, he's going to start, um, in that sevens Jersey. And I think like, especially too, like you got some, a lot of other, um, you know, lines or sorry. You got a lot of other open side flankers in the league that are Canadian. Right. Even that, like, you know, like Michael Smith now in San Diego, obviously Rumble and Heaton out in the, uh, out in the East. And yeah, I think this is honestly like, and if he, if he doesn't play out that he, like, I mean, I, we watched this whole season and it doesn't play out that it ends up being the Kai Penny or whatever. That's fine. But it's like, I, I think because there's a lot of great Canadians in the, in this conference, obviously, you know, you still got Hassler, Regan or Gorman, really good, too. Um, obviously, DTH, Vandermerver, he's pretty good. Last time I checked, so, I mean, I don't see why he wouldn't be in the running for this. Um, and even, like, some teammates there, too, like uh, uh, Sears Duru. And, uh, but, like, to me, it's like this is the year for, like, Nakai Penny to be like, like, force it. Like, don't even be like, it's not even a question of whether or not, like, you should have a jersey. Or whatever, it's like force force it upon Kingsley Jones to be like, "Hey, man, like you can't ignore this anymore." I'm so I think it's Penny's year. I think he he looked outstanding in the five games last year. Um, I think it's it's his time to do it. I hope I hope he lives up to it. Um, I yeah. All right, I, I can't. Even, I'm not even gonna pretend to not agree with Dan on this one because that was my pick right oh right away, Nakai Penny.
2: Interesting choice. Um <laughs> he was like he was my second. I also two
0: out of three disagree with you, Stuce, and so now I'm curious <laughs> as to where you're going to go with this.
2: Okay, so I I was on the verge of picking the Kai Penny as well, and then I'm like, I'm pretty sure either Dan or Derek would have uh, picked them as well. So no, why? You know, because that's that a great answer. A bit of spice, a bit of flavor. Yeah. So what's Steus so saying is that
1: I, the Kai Penny? It's also his answer, but whatever. <laughs>
2: Well, actually, I so my decision has gone to a prop also with the Seawolves because, you know, seen him at the World Cup, I've seen him uh, play in MLR. And some things aren't just measured by how many tries you scored or how many tries you've assisted in. It's the consistency of being in the front row, obviously being in all like the set pieces, scrum the most obvious, but then again also in uh the line outs as well. And you know, and that's what I that's what I look for in the best players are always consistent. They're always consistently good. They're always doing their job for their team. And that's why my pick, while I do agree that Nakai Penny is amazing and will do great work this season, I think it's impossible to ignore the consistently great work of justice says the room.
1: I didn't ignore I like it. I literally said his name during my speech. No, I like it. I like it. I like All it. right, guys, and let's finish off with like, uh, your like, MVPs. Like, uh, like Dan, I know you kind of mentioned it. Corey Thomas, I feel like, is the dark horse. Somewhere like the Yeah, a the, complete unknown, wild yeah.
0: card, and yeah. and and we're going to, you know, the arrows have pulled in a couple of wild cards as well. So it's going to be interesting. Uh, okay, uh, arrows the, uh, Western st- Conference though. No, no, and we're going to talk about them next time. Exactly. Um, I'm talking, just talking about Canadians. God. All right. Derek, who's your MVP
1: for the oh, Western Conference? This is kind of going to give – I think – I know uh, – because I know you want to do a little bit of a standings thing next, so this might kind of give it away, but I'm going to say my MVP is going to be Ben Seema. Okay.
2: All right. Um, Stu? I'm gonna go with a man who was meant to be with Dallas and is now with LA. I'm gonna go with one of my uh favorites to not play for the Arrows is uh Ryan James.
1: You're big uh, I'm going with Ross all the time.
2: <laughs> uh I- I'm go,
1: twice in two months, and so Wow, that's a lot. That's a lot of Ryan James, man. Why, why are you picking Ryan James over? You got i uh, I'm just asking for elaboration. Uh,
2: As the M- MVP of the entire Western, the
1: same by Ryan James.
2: Yeah, well, like I said, I'm looking for a guy who is consistent, and every time I've seen Ryan James play when he played for the Raptors, he was. A consistently good player he was always doing the job that was required he was always helping his team and you know obviously you can't win can put in the best effort that you can Ryan James I'm well I'm glad that he's still excited to see what he can bring to the table so that's why I'm picking Ryan James
0: All right. Uh, I'm going with Ross Neal from Seattle. Um, We were kind of robbed of his talents uh, last year in MLR because of injury. Uh, And then he went and had a uh, great loan over with the Irish. Again, I'm, I'm very consistent with my Irish love. Um, He was very consistent with them and, you know, he's got other premiership experience with the wasps. And then, you know, he went to the the world 10 series and, and was fantastic for the Royals there. He's just a giant, beast of a dude can play center can play wing i think that uh they're going to use him a lot especially with how big some of the centers are going to get in the western conference um so i am picking ross neil to be my mvp good choice all right guys well let's finish off with our i put them down on the script as power rankings and then we had a discussion about it and it's not going to be technically power rankings but it's going to be what do we think the Western Conference standings are going to look like at the end of the season? So, uh, Stu, let's start with you. Who do you have? What from if whichever way, if you want to start from the bottom
1: up or yeah, go bottom up, make, bottom up, make it interesting. Go bottom up,
2: okay. Um, in sixth place, I'm gonna say Utah. As I've said, we've already talked about their um issues in uh, previous games, and I don't think this is going to be their season. I think they will be able to get um, more than one win in a row. So, but at the same time, I'm going to say that they are pipped out to fifth by Houston. Then I think the gap between first and fourth will be down to a matter of points. Compared to fifth and sixth, I think it'll I think the entire Western conference is going to be much closer than 2020 led us to believe. So I am going to say in fourth is Austin. and now this is going to be my controversial pick that in third and missing out on the MLR shield is Seattle. Uh, second, I'm going to say it's the new boys. It's going to be Los Angeles. And then first, even though they've had a few changes, I still see the consistent work ethic being shown that San Diego will host the conference final for the Western Conference.
1: All right. All right. All right. That's fair. Um, yeah. Okay. This will be an interesting conversation. All right. Um I think I'll kind of go. I'm kind of going the same way, to be honest. I'm going to go, or somewhat similar. Not even really. No, not similar at all. Um, <laughs> what? What a journey of a of, of a <laughs> sentence there. Yeah, thank you. Um, I say six Houston, five Utah, and then I'm kind of with Stu on the idea that I think one to four will actually. I honestly think one to four will be pretty tight. Um. Oh yeah. I'm going to go, though. I'm going to jumble this order up to make it a little bit more interesting. I'm going to go. I'm going to say in Austin mm-hmm. tops the conference. Okay. And I'm going to go Austin, and then I'm going to say healthy Ben Sema. Seattle comes back and gets second because they've never been, the. as you mentioned, they've never been the top team, but I think they'll get that. And then no particular order. I think it'll be tight between San Diego and LA and they'll battle for that playoff spot. But I'm going to go with like, I feel like like Seattle, by the way, I'm thinking like Seattle makes the playoffs by like, like a couple of points. Like it's not going to be like, there's not going to be like a huge, there's going to be no gaps It's going to be tight. I think it's going to, I think like, remember like the, remember what the standings looked like in 2019, when it was like we go into like the last day, and it's like there was like f- five. Winning, you're in. Like, there was like five teams that could make like the last two playoff spots or something. It was nuts, right? I feel like yeah, yeah, I feel like you might see something similar. Um, but I'm gonna go if I have to predict it, I'll go with Seattle and Austin make the playoffs, and then I think it's the one thing. Like I said, like this year, man, it's like you're gonna have legitimately good teams missing the play. Like you have Miss to, be, you have to be a. Yeah, you're going to have legitimately good teams missing the playoffs and I think like I think I think in for me I think like saying Seattle's going to make the playoffs is a little bit of like a little bit of like the emotional pick which is kind of like crushing a little bit of the analytical part of my brain there's a little bit of like the heart kind of crushing the brain a little bit. I think like like they are the champs and I think in a weird way I'm like I f- have a feeling that it's like I just I don't know I have a feeling they're going to make you rip the shield out of their hands this year. Like I don't think they're going to just l- kneel. Yeah. It up.
0: Um for me it's 6 Houston, uh 5 Utah, 4 LA, yeah. 3 Seattle. I don't think that they're making the playoffs this year. All right, well, I have faith. 2 San Diego and top of the table is Austin. Yeah. I think that they've got a combination of the new guys coming in that are going to provide a little bit more power to their punch, but they have enough consistency from the last couple of years for some key positions that are going to keep them to the top. Drinking the Gilgronies. I feel confident in this decision. Everything else. Like I think that you can switch Utah or go in Seattle pretty easily. LA I think has a chance to sniff in there,
1: but I am pretty confident in this decision. I am also confident, but I also realistically fully know and I'm fully prepared for Houston and Utah to make the playoffs. <laughs> fully prepared I don't know, but they will. They, they, All right, guys. And Austin, well, this was- that's probably that's the most likely outcome based on what we just said. You know what's yeah, great well, is you can bet on You can hope we cursed by now. So don't listen to anything we said. Probably pick Utah, Utah, Houston, make the playoffs. Austin's going to finish last again. Um, based on the fact that we just picked the exact opposite of that. <laughs> All right,
0: guys. Well, that was, that was a great recap and uh, we will be doing the Eastern conference and focusing on the arrows next week, right before the season starts. Um, if you guys want to listen to some of our player interviews, uh, it's been a been a fantastic little journey leading up to 2021 so feel free to go back into the archives and listen to some of our interviews and uh if you want to give us a great review on any of the podcast platforms or on youtube you know feel free to and we love any of the support that you guys can give us and you guys have done a great job with that and gentlemen we are like i can, I can smell the new season it's, it's almost there we're so close